Well, hello again, everybody. Uh, William Lutz here for the Beyond the Column podcast. So happy that you could join us today as you are at home or out and about. Well, I read another book, and as we teased on the weekend warm-up, this book is Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. The book checks in at about 217 pages and is published by Thomas Nelson. And at this point, you're probably wondering, why in the world did you read this book? This book is written for, designed for, made for women. What in the world are you doing reading something like this? Well, let's take a step back. Um, In a previous episode, we talked about Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. And uh, before I read the book, and even as I was reading that book, um, there was a lot of social media activity, a lot of conversations about that book, a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of people wanted to dig in that book. And the interesting thing about that is that most of those people were men that were talking about um, Peterson's work. This book had pretty much the same type of activity, except it was all women. Uh, Probably beginning in May, I saw a lot of social media posts on this book. Again, almost exclusively by women. Um, I've noticed that this book has kind of taken over um, book clubs. It's taken on book studies for, uh, for basically ladies groups at church. Um, women that are in small businesses together are beginning to study this book and look at it. And so I'm seeing this very interesting dichotomy of how Peterson's book uh, tends to be read, researched, thought of, and discussed by men. Hollis's book is almost exclusively all women having those discussions about it. And so I was, I, I'm going into this book thinking, what, what are the lessons here? What, where are the points of comparison? Where are the contrast points between what Hollis is saying and what Peterson is saying? Is there anything that we can glean from each other's, uh, the, the authors? Can we glean something from each of the authors and, and that's what I'm trying to explore in this episode. So if, if, if you're looking for just a pure review of Hollis's book, you're not going to get that. But rather, we're going to have a more lengthy discussion about Peterson's book and Hollis's book, where they're similar, where they're different. And I think that's going to lead to a much more richer, a much more interesting discussion as we talk about both of these books. And so as we dig right into it, I mean, the, the first point of comparison is just in the, the physical uh, appearance of both of these books. Um, and it's interesting because both of these books pretty much uh, occupy the same space on the bookshelf. They're both considered uh, self-help books. And so you take a look at Peterson's book. It, it's almost like a college textbook, I guess. It's thick. It's... There's nothing about it that's physically appealing. White cover. It's got the name of the author, Jordan B. Peterson. 
12 rules for life, an antidote to chaos. There's, there's nothing physically appealing about the book. Uh, you take a look at Hollis's book and uh, it's certainly more visually attractive. Uh, It's almost whimsical, I guess is the best way to describe it. And, or at least the the best way I can describe it right now. Uh, The cover, Hollis is kind of sitting up against this wall and she's by a fire hydrant. That's obviously broken because there's water squirting in her face from this waterfall. And, uh, she's wearing these pair of jeans that are ripped at the knees and these Chuck Taylor shoes. And she's got this look on her face like, Oh, isn't this, isn't this funny? Um, her hair's a mess. And so it's just, it's whimsical and, and it's not physically intimidating. Like Peterson's book could be seen as, um, it's only 217 pages. So it's much shorter. Uh, the font type is a little bigger. So, you know, it, it's it's obviously just a different book. Um, you tear into the book and, and you start seeing some differences. Peterson's book is kind of laid out as 12 rules or behaviors in your life um, that you really need to internalize if you're going to have a more orderly and, and he would argue more productive or at least um, more fulfilling experience in life. And one of those rules is, is rule number nine, which is be precise in your speech or at least don't lie. And it's at that point where Hollis takes over. Um, Hollis breaks her book up into 20 lies. And it's not always clear if these are lies that she told herself or if other people told her and then she just kind of internalized them. But regardless, these are 20 lies, and she comes to the assumption that all women have these lies within themselves, which I I have a bit of an issue with because, I mean, I I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, Hollis doesn't say it, but you, you almost get the feeling like these 20 lies are, are somehow universal truths amongst all women everywhere. And the problem is, is that the book is extremely autobiographical. She doesn't go into any detail talking about other women and their experiences. And so you read the book and you're left with one big question. Does this book work with anybody not named Rachel Hollis. Um, She would argue it does, but there's nothing there for the reader to really grasp onto that. Um, Generally in the book, the chapters were very short and they were very easy to read. The book is almost conversational in nature. Um, Hollis is, is approaching you as if she was kind of a big sister and she just wants to know where you are. And it's, it, it, she wants to put her arm around you and say, Oh, it, it, it's going to be okay. But these are the things you need to know. Um, again, you take a look at the front cover. She's kind of got these ripped jeans, the Chuck Taylors. Um, there's, there's, there's this, um, 
there's this warmth about her that gives you the impression that she wants to hear your story, but at the same time, she's going to call out things in your life that, that you really need to work on. Um, Peterson takes a completely different approach. The chapters aren't easy. The chapters are hard to read. It takes a lot of time to go through the information that Peterson has. Uh, Peterson comes across uh, his work as more of a lecture. Uh, he's more of an uncle that you don't see very often. And as, as I read his book, I'm envisioning a guy in a tweed jacket uh, possibly even smoking a pipe, he, he's more comfortable giving you a firm handshake than a warm hug. And so you've got kind of these contrasting characters that are reading this story to you as you're reading the book, which I think is is interesting because I don't know if I don't know if other people do this, but as I read something, I put a kind of a an imaginary face to somebody who's talking to me as I read this story. And so for, for Peterson, I see kind of this uncle figure. For Hollis, I kind of see this big sister figure. Um, Hollis ends her chapters um, in, a, in a pretty unique way. It's something that Peterson doesn't do. Um, Hollis, in, Hollis takes uh, about two or three anecdotes. Uh, she calls them things that helped me and talks about very personal things that she does to help her overcome uh, these lies that she works through. And again, you know, because the, the anecdotes are so personal, because the anecdotes are so based in her own experience, it's very difficult for the reader to sometimes take a look and say, well, if this worked for her, will it work for me? And I don't know the answer to that. Um, again, will this book work for people not named Rachel Hollis? And and I don't know the answer to that. I I would have felt a little more comfortable with the book if there were other stories of other women um, or just other people in general that were able to overcome some of these lies that they tell themselves. Um, because you do get the feeling reading the book that this is what worked for Rachel and we're, we're all kind of individuals. We all have our own things. Will it work for somebody else? We just, we just don't know that. And so as, as you read the book, you read Rachel's book and you read um, Jordan's book. One of the things that I took away from reading both of it is how do we get inspiration? Um, I read Peterson's book and I'm very inspired by what I read uh, to live a more orderly life, to live a life of meaning. I read Hollis's book and I don't feel the same way. And I don't think that is Hollis's fault. I mean, I, I can't blame the writer for not connecting with me. I mean, she didn't write this book with me in mind, so I, I can't blame her for that. But I think what I'm, what I discovered is 
how do we as people get our inspiration? How do we become inspired? Do we become inspired more looking for information or do we look to become inspired through affirmation? If you're looking for inspiration from information, Peterson's book does that. So Peterson goes to great lengths to discuss scientific research. He, he does that in the first chapter as he talks about lobsters and serotonin. He talks about tickling rats with the ends of pencils with the erasers. He talks about his own clinical experiences as he was a clinical psychologist. He talks about the people that have come to him asking for help and some of the issues that they've had and and how those individuals were able to work through their issues by talking with Dr. Peterson. Um, the parts of the book that I found truly interesting and truly inspiring or how he can unravel stories of the Bible. Um, the chapters on how he can unravel the creation story with uh, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel were just absolutely fascinating and inspirational. And, and while they told you a story, they did something more and they kind of helped explain the world through this new lens of information that you may not have ever thought about. And so, you know, you think about all of the information that Peterson's putting out there, you almost have no choice but to now look at the world in a different way um, because you're, you're beginning to get information that's different from things you've heard in the past and he takes all of these things from religion and science and psychology and kind of melds them together in a way where it makes a heck of a lot more sense than where these things were individually. Or at least that's the way I read it. Hollis is all about affirmation. Um, Hollis's goal in the book is to tell a compelling story, a compelling story about her own life in which, you know, kudos to her. Um, there are some things that she went through that were, that were generally very difficult. Um, she kind of grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Well, in fact, I don't think I, she grew up in a place where there were no tracks to be on the wrong side of, I think is the best way to describe it. If I remember correctly, she grew up in a small community called Weed Patch, California. Well, it's got to be a tough job being the director of the Chamber of Commerce out there for a community named Weed Patch. And, um, just the name insinuates that there's nothing there. And that's where she grew up. And of course she had her own family issues. Um, her brother committed suicide when she was young. Um, other issues that uh, with some of the family dynamics, it was not an easy um, life for her. And, and there were some um, debilitating 
um, issues that she had. I think she's, she talked about some Bell's palsy that she went through and some vertigo she went through. So it's not exactly been an easy road for Hollis. And she does have a compelling story um, that, that she wants to tell. And, you know, she wants to talk about those things in her own experiences. And she talks about the things that worked for her. Um, the 60 anecdotes that she puts in there to say, this worked for me, um, she believes will work for everybody. And, and that's kind of the hurdle that I, that's the hurdle I see. Um, just because it works for one person doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for all people. But I don't think, I don't think Hollis sees that as a problem. Um, I think Hollis says, well, I'll just show you what worked for me. And if you discover that it doesn't work for you, odds are you will discover something that will. And, and she does do a good job of explaining that, you know, the, the hurdles that she has are different than other people's hurdles. And she does explain that a little bit. And so again, Hollis wants you to be a better person. And she wants to do that through kind of a, a degree of, of accountability and affirmation. And, and so to circle back around, what are we really seeing? And, and I'm wondering if, if what we're discovering here is one of the biggest differences in, in the genders that exist. You know, Peterson's audience is clearly more male. Now he, he would argue that he never wrote the book with a male audience in mind, but regardless of whether you wrote it that way or not, it certainly has a message that is more attractive to men. And that message is, you know, uh, bear your own burdens, aim for something higher, take on more responsibility. That is a, a message that is resonating with men. Hollis's message is more. Look what I've look what I've gone through. Look what I've done. This is what worked for me. This will work for you. And if it doesn't, you will discover the things that will. And so I think women are ending end up being more compelled by the affirmations that Hollis is trying to present in her book. More of a look what I had to go through first person based um, narrative that makes her stories more attractive to women. Peterson goes through a much higher level view of providing information from different sources to say, aha, this is why you need to behave this way. Uh, not because somebody told you to, but because science, religion, psychology are all working through their modes to manifest behaviors in you as you walk through life. And, and Peterson would also argue that uh, it's probably not a choice. Um, you have to do these things in life to live a fulfilled life. Um, 
Hollis doesn't do that. Hollis, Hollis's attitudes are still basically generally take it or leave it. You know, you can continue to behave, believe these lies. And if you believe these lies, she's not saying you won't have a fulfilled life. Um, but I think what she is saying is that you will be missing out a lot on life if you continue to believe these lies. But I, I could be wrong on that point. That's something that I'm reading into it. And maybe Hollis didn't, didn't want to necessarily go that far. So, uh, would I recommend girl wash your face? I would, it, it was not a bad book. It was a very, um, easy read. And, and there are some, there are some good nuggets in there. Um, one particular quote that I think is probably the most quoted aspect of the book is that um, others, other people's opinion of you is none of your business. And, and even just kind of ruminating and thinking about that quote, um, it's very interesting to think about that because I, I don't know many men that, that, that spend a lot of time worrying about what other people think about them. Um, but obviously, um, this is something that women think about. And, and so again, I think that is, is a, a gender difference that's out there. Um, again, Hollis's book is, is it, it's a pretty good book. Um, it was not easy. It was not hard to get through. Uh, it was easy to read. There are nuggets of, of wisdom in there. Um, if I were a woman, I probably would get a heck of a lot more out of it than I did as a man. But again, you know, I could go to all of, of the women I know, uh, especially those that like reading Hollis's book. And I could say, Hey, you, you gotta read Peterson. And, and it's just, you're going to read the first 10 pages and you're going to, you could very easily get tuned out by talking about lobsters and trees and serotonin. And, and I can imagine a lot of people, men and women, both um, not making it through that first 10 pages, really trying to wonder where Peterson's taking us. And, you know, you're thinking this is, this is just rule one. This should be the easy one. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed both books. I would recommend both books, but I would also say that, remember, it uh, doesn't matter what you read. Um, there's a problem and there's an audience that each author is trying to influence. And you have to remember that when you pick up a book. Um, I was not part of Hollis's target audience. Um, and so I'm sure that if you ask women what they thought about Hollis's book, you would get a much richer and a much more, uh, informed opinion as they look at the book through their own lens, their own perspectives. And so at the end of the day, pick it up, read it. Uh, you certainly will not regret it.
Well, we hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of the Beyond the Column podcast. We hope that you can join us next week for another edition of the podcast. Always get interactive with us. Find us on Twitter at Beyond the Column. Send us an, an email, beyondthecolumnpodcast at gmail.com. And also on Facebook, facebook.com slash beyondthecolumn. We love to get interactive with our listeners. And if you have any comments or questions, we would be happy to answer those throughout the week. Also, we would love to hear ideas. What do you want us to talk about here on the Beyond the Column podcast? Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for all your support. This has been an absolute blast to uh, bring these podcasts to you each and every week. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you.